Thank you, Murphy. Uh, welcome, everyone. If I haven't met you, my name's Ollie. Uh, I'm the pastor of the youth and the young adults here. And I just want to start by saying thank you for being here. Uh, it's great that you can join us and, and be here for Open House. Uh, normally on a Sunday night, we open the Bible uh, and spend a few minutes unpacking it uh, because we believe that it's not just relevant to us, but that God, him, God himself speaks to us through it. I wonder if Jesus is relevant to your life. Uh, does Jesus matter to you? Uh, I was, um, you know, we're dealing with a, a text, the Bible, that's uh, almost 2,000 years old. You know, does belief and uh, faith have anything to do or any relevance? Or is it just a matter of, and truth, you know, just a matter of circumstance? Uh, from the word according to the Marvel Universe, uh, the prophet Natasha Romanov says to Captain America, I was watching this the other day, says this, The truth is a matter of circumstance. It's not all things to all people all the time, and neither am I. You know, could that be said of Jesus? How relevant is he, if at all, to your life? Or is it just a matter of circumstance? Maybe you've wondered that before, you know, it's good that you believe that. And that's true for you, but, you know, that's just not for me. That's for another time. Well, to show you this is relevant, uh, I want to address one of the biggest challenges, I think, of our generation uh, and show you how Jesus actually speaks to us and is uh, so relevant to our circumstances. And I want to talk about, uh, especially for our generation, that of loneliness. Uh, not to throw a cliche at you, but 2020 was a year like no other. Uh, certainly the loss of life and travel and wealth and experience and convenience is a tragedy. What COVID-19 did was expose a wound that was under the surface that's actually come to light more plainly. And we see, yeah, let's do that. Thanks, Tom. I'm going to Thanks, Murphy. All right. All right. Hopefully I haven't lost you. But I want to talk about COVID-19 and what it exposed. Because, because I think what happened was that there was this wound that was there that COVID actually brought to the surface. Uh, the Sydney Morning Herald reported in uh, September 2020. Uh, this is what the headline was. And I wonder if this rings true for you. Addicted to our smartphones alienated by materialism, cynical about politics and disconnected from the wider community, modern life has made many of us feel more isolated than is healthy. Then the world went into lockdown and the age of loneliness turned chronic. Loneliness. And you know what's even more alarming is that they've been doing recent studies and where loneliness is the worst, you'd expect it to be amongst the elderly, and that is still high. But actually what's been reported in recent studies is that loneliness is greatest amongst 16 to 25-year-olds. The feeling of disconnection, 
Many millennials reporting levels of depression, anxiety, disconnection. People are, are experiencing a profound sense of being disconnected from, from one another, even though that they are so connected to the world. This hyper-connectivity, we know what's happening in America, and yet we feel so disconnected from the neighbor that's next door to us. And, you know, it gets uglier. Loneliness actually is affecting public health. Uh, Dr. Michelle Lim of Swinburne University of Technology studied in 2018 that lonely people were more than 15% more likely to be depressed. With higher levels of social interaction anxiety, poorer psychological well-being and poorer quality of life, loneliness significantly increased the risk of dying prematurely. And get this, the risk equaled that of obesity the risk equaled that of dying prematurely of smoking 15 cigarettes a day or drinking six drinks a day. But you know what? I know that you don't need me to quote to you experts that loneliness is a problem because I know many of you have experienced that profound sense of disconnection and isolation. You know, when the lights go off and, and the screens go idle, we put our heads down on the pillow. The ache for something more than just yourself. The need for connection, and not just the need for connection in the sense of what's on our phones and social media, but to be connected to yourself and connected to life, to meaning, to the world. We're seeking that. What I want to tell you tonight, brokenness of disconnection is not a new issue. Uh, Murphy read for us, we were introduced in the passage in Matthew to a man with leprosy. Uh, leprosy in first century Palestine meant a lot of things. Uh, it was a terrible and incurable disease that literally ate your flesh until you died. It was not nice. Uh, it meant social shame as you were considered unclean. And it took social distancing laws to a whole new level. But worst of all was the isolation and ostracism, disconnected from your community, with no hope, and with low self-worth. And so we see this man, he's desperate. He collapses at Jesus' feet, and he begs him for help. And I want to tell you that certainly the, the life of a leper was unimaginable. Unimaginable. But there might just be something to say of the leprosy of loneliness of our time disconnected from community, with anxiety, depression, no hope, with low self-worth. Can you see the similarity there? And I wonder if you can relate at all, or perhaps personally or someone you know. We have so much in terms of access and education and freedom and opportunity, and yet we are so impoverished when it comes to meaningful connection. And you know, I think Matthew, the, uh, the author of this gospel, is purposeful in sharing this moment of the leper. And then the next account that he recounts is of the Roman centurion, another man totally different in sense of class and Status, but equally desperate. A Roman centurion for all his authority and status and control, he can't help his beloved servant. And that then follows a third encounter of a woman even more desperate, even more disenfranchised, confined to her bed with a deadly fever. 
Suffering is the universal experience. Though to different extremes, suffering awakens in us a desire to be alive and be connected to the world and the community around us. And you know, this, uh, your experience of suffering may cause you to doubt whether God is really there and whether God really exists. Has that ever been a doubt for you? You know, I, I remember dating a girl in year 10. Well, I thought we were dating, but it ha- not, didn't happen to be the case, but that's another story. Uh, but this, this girl grew up in a Christian home, and, and uh, she was thinking of packing in her faith because uh, we talked about this a fair bit. She couldn't see how God could be loving and powerful and yet there to be suffering and people to suffer. Perhaps just like we ended up being, God and suffering were incompatible. They just couldn't fit. The leprosy of loneliness, suffering, disconnection, hopelessness. What do you do? What is the answer? You know, if I can get real for a moment here and just acknowledge the suffering that you're experiencing. Maybe uh, you're desperate for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Maybe you're suffering a chronic illness and you just feel like no one understands you. Maybe you're drowning in crushing expectations. Maybe it's the financial stress, wondering how you're going to pay for the next meal. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe for you it's a mental illness. And you know, COVID, if it's taught us anything, is that many of the answers that we're turning to just aren't seem to be delivering as they're promising. You know, politics just seems to be broken. Relationships are becoming cheap and just exchangeable with a swipe. Social media just seems to be exploiting our fears and, and, uh, and expectations. And wealth just is evaporating at the whims of Wall Street. We keep turning to different things and uh, what I see it as is we've got this open wound of disconnection. We're, we're kind of putting this balm on it of all different things that we're trying, but it just doesn't seem, or it seems to just numb the pain for a minute. But this wound will ultimately kill us and, and what do we do about that? What will we be left with? And this is why we want to share with you as a community tonight that Jesus' words are relevant and relevant today as they were in first century Palestine. So I want to invite you to look at Matthew's account again. If you've got your own Bible or uh, we've, I printed on the handout there so you can read it. Um, I believe Matthew was heaps intentional about how he put together this account of Jesus's life in order to show us who the true Jesus is. You know, if you were with us last year, we went through chapters 5, 6, and 7, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' amazing teaching uh, on, uh, on love and selflessness and devotion, this beautiful resistance. Uh, and next up, Matthew then turns, he, he puts together a series of miracles uh, that happen that reveal Jesus' compassion and Jesus' authority. And these are the two attributes that I believe are the answer to your question of suffering. And so we're going to look at it tonight. Uh, so let's, let me read these verses again to you. Uh, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. 
a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Isn't it interesting that the leper actually asks if Jesus is willing? You know, a man so desperate when everyone else in his community is just keeping their distance. And notice the leper doesn't ask for healing. He asks to be made clean. You know, a leper was considered by law to be ceremonially unclean, to be kept separate and therefore unable to worship God or participate, participate in community life. It was a life of shame. It was a shameful life for him, this un, being unclean. And this is why he asks Jesus, are you willing? In a culture where the powerful, they don't associate with the weak. They don't associate with the shameful. Would Jesus be willing to stoop down and associate and enter into his brokenness and his shame? He says, Jesus, are you willing? That's where Jesus does the unthinkable. Imagine just the people around him, the crowd, gasp as Jesus reaches out to touch this man, this contagious man. Verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. I want you to see the compassion of Jesus in this moment. Jesus could have, with a word, healed this man. In the very next uh, account, he does that to the centurion's servant. servant. He just uses a word. But here he doesn't just use a word. He actually reaches out and he touches him. And I think this is a powerful testimony of the love of Christ because this is a love that is totally out of this world. I think we get uh, a bit better these days uh, infectious diseases in the age of COVID. You know, people moving out of town, keeping social distance. And hasn't it been awful how the people uh, in Wuhan have been treated and avoided, especially in the early years or early months? And then contrast the love of Jesus here. The love of Jesus that comes close. This same love that has inspired Christians for generations during pandemics. In the early years, then uh, when in Europe, in the Middle Ages, the Black Death, where the rich and the powerful were running away and hiding and avoiding and getting away. If you look at the history books, it was the Christians who were entering in and going close and loving and caring these sick people. Because they were following Jesus, following the example and the love of Jesus. And this is what Christians should be known for. Because this is what God is like. In Jesus, the Son of God, the very revelation of God, we see that God has not abandoned us. He has come close. God is not far from from us. In your suffering, God is not far away. He is close. He knows what you are going through, and He cares. God cares. You know, Jesus didn't just have compassion. Uh, Do you ever get tired of the superficial hashtag, you know, thoughts and prayers? Uh, Maybe a politician or a celebrity tweet, sending nice thoughts. Uh, Thank you, uh, I guess. 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dying over here, but you're sending thoughts. Cool. Because, you know, when, when you think about it, nice thoughts and compassion, so good, important. But these thoughts actually have nothing or no power to change your circumstances. But the true Jesus is different from simply thought and compassion. Jesus actually had the power to do something about it. Do you believe it? That in humanity's despair, in a generation of loneliness and disconnection, that there is someone who not only cares, but he has the power to do something about it. Has the power to do something. Matthew records that with a word, and immediately the leper was healed. Now they don't then, as they, as they don't today, diseases don't just heal themselves. This was astonishing. It was a miracle then. It was amazing. And it's just as unbelievable today that this would happen. It's easy to close our mind to this really happening, but I want you to look again and ask why. Why has this happened? Why is this recorded? Because you'd expect that if God showed up in his creation, miracles would happen. Miracles were a sign that pointed to the authority and identity of Jesus as the Son of God. And the explosion of history following this incredible life surely points to the fact that something happened. Because something did happen. God showed up. Jesus came with authority over creation. Authority to heal. But more than that, Jesus came as the Son of God with authority not only to heal, but with authority to speak a new identity over this man. You know, for years and years, this leper, as he was walking around, people would shout, unclean, unclean. And if they weren't shouting it, the custom was that this leper would have to shout himself, unclean, unclean. He's walking around to warn people that he's coming. Imagine what that would do to your identity. About how you feel about yourself. If people are speaking this over you. And you're speaking this over yourself. Imagine what that would do for you. And I wonder what names you have been given. There's something truly powerful and identity shaping about the names that we give others and the names that we give ourselves. Failure. Ugly. Unworthy. Unwanted. Alone. Lazy. No good. wonder if any of those names have ever been spoken over you or if you have spoken them over yourself. And as a generation, so much is being spoken over you. Young people these days are self-entitled. Young people are lazy. You know, as we look at and we're surrounded by advertisements and social media and scrolling, we then speak identities as well over ourselves. We're not as beautiful as that person. We don't have muscles like him. We don't have our lives together like them. And you know what? These names become our reality. 
See, Jesus had not only the compassion, but the authority to speak over this man with leprosy. Remember what being unclean meant for him, meant for his identity, the shame and isolation that would come. And then in a word of power, Jesus speaks a new identity over this man, be clean. And then to be instructed to go to the priest, affirming the true reality of his new, crea- new condition. This man was made new. Jesus spoke a new name, a new identity over this man. Jesus speaks with authority. You have worth. God has not forgotten you. You are not alone. You are loved. You are accepted. And I believe for those who will come, Jesus can speak a new identity to this generation, a new name. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. You are loved. The world for generations had been waiting for God to do something. And the suffering and the mess and the brokenness of the world, this is God's answer. If you've got that handout, your Bible, look down at verse 17 of chapter 8, because I think Matthew is pointing to who Jesus is in this moment. He says, He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. See, God hadn't abandoned this world. Rather, it was his plan to take that mess and that brokenness upon himself, wearing it himself. And Matthew is actually pointing us here to the prophet Isaiah. Uh, when you see quotes like this in the, in the New Testament, from the Old Testament, it's kind of like a hyperlink. So you imagine it in blue, underlined, invites us to click it. And so as we go to Isaiah 53, where this is quoted, we see more of how Jesus fulfills these words, how Jesus is the answer. I want to read them to you. I've got them up on the screen for you too. It's from Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. This was God's answer to suffering. You see, suffering in the Bible, as God's word, is always connected to the human heart. Though not always directly, and I think it's really important I say this, it's not always direct. But suffering in the body, suffering in the mind, suffering in creation is all interconnected and a result of the brokenness of the human heart, a brokenness of God's humanity. Every heart that is full, in the words of Isaiah, full of iniquity and transgression are big words that speak to all our failure to live as God has created us to be and love Him as we should. The wickedness of our hearts that destroys God's world and demands punishment. Yet this is the love of God. 
that God himself was willing to get his hands dirty. More than that, willing, willing to suffer the unimaginable punishment that we deserve in order to change the script and redeem the system, beginning with a human heart. You see, Jesus, as he hung on the cross, he took our sin and our shame and our brokenness and our suffering. You see that surely he took up our pain, bore our suffering. And in his death, he exchanges it for a new identity. Jesus speaks over us as he says, no longer separate, no longer shame, but now peace and forgiveness and eternal life. This is the good news, and it's the message that's been echoing for thousands of years since Jesus rose from the grave victorious, flipping the system, speaking a new reality over broken creation. Jesus sent his disciples to go, and he's been doing so for 2,000 years with a message. Evil and suffering have an expiry date. Evil and suffering have an expiry date. God has not abandoned you. He has not left you in your sin and loneliness. Rather, he's opened up the door for us to come in and he speaks over us with a new identity. You are accepted. You are redeemed. You are precious and loved and valuable. You are not alone. You see, Jesus was not only willing to enter into our suffering and our brokenness and our mess and our shame, but he was the only one who had the power and the authority to do something about it. To do something about it. You know, where does that leave us? And where does that leave us with our suffering? And it's important that I tell you tonight that Jesus will not force himself upon you. Uh, the Bible describes this picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. He doesn't barge in. Rather, it's an invitation. Uh, The response to Jesus must be faith. It must be all in, abandonment, letting go of trying to save ourselves and trusting him. I like the leper before Jesus who kneels down in desperation, letting go of everything else he'd been trusting in, and he cries out, Lord, if you are willing. It's the faith to believe and to ask Jesus to save you. And Jesus will reply, speaking a new identity, be clean. Does that mean that all our suffering will disappear, that we'll never feel loneliness again? No, the Bible speaks openly of living in a broken world, still in broken bodies. Yet this we know to be true, and I said it before, evil and suffering have an expiry date. Jesus has spoken a new identity and a new reality over us such that our suffering and our sin doesn't define us or our reality anymore. You see, your financial stress does not define or have the final word over your life. Your chronic illness does not have the final word on your life. Your sin and your struggle and your shame and your addiction does not define who you are. Your loneliness does not define you anymore. There is hope. God can come and write a new ending to your story. An ending that, in fact, has no end as he invites us into eternal life with him. Life for eternity in a new creation where he promises there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears. 
And better yet, and we heard testimony of this today, he invites us into a new community as we experience the same accepting and connecting love to one another. You see, I believe Jesus is not just a matter of circumstance, but that he is totally relevant to our world. He is the truth. We believe he is the hope and the answer to our, to our cry and our suffering. I believe he's the hope of our generation that's feeling disconnected. So will you come to him? I believe there's people here tonight even those who have been coming and following Jesus for many years, and you've been letting other identities be spoken over you. You've been allowing the world to tell you who you are. And I want to tell you tonight and invite you to look to Jesus, who speaks a new identity over you. You are not alone. You are not abandoned. You are loved. And that's what we want to share with you as this community especially if you're visiting and you've, you don't know this Jesus, we want to declare to you that he is good and that he is hope and that as we trust him as the leper discovered this new life and this new identity, that you can find that too and that is free. And he invites us to come to him in faith. So I'm going to pray for us now. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you had compassion over us, that you didn't just desert us. Uh, we're not alone, we're not abandoned, but Lord, you are so compassionate and merciful to draw near to us. And I just feel for those people here tonight who perhaps are feeling unworthy or feeling that shame or uh, that brokenness and disconnection and feeling far from you. I thank you, Lord, that you do not turn your back on us. but you reach out, you care, you love. I believe that, Lord, and I believe people need to hear that tonight. But I praise you, King of the world, that you have the power and the authority to do something about it and that we have a future, that the brokenness of this world is not the end. So just pray for people here tonight who perhaps are in the depths of, and despair of suffering, and I can't even begin to imagine what uh, some of these people here are experiencing. I pray, Lord, that you might break in with power and love to reveal yourself and your hope that we would trust you and look to you in faith like the leper, that we would kneel before you and cry out to you, Lord. Just pray, Father, for those in this room who needed to hear that tonight, uh, that you would be working in their heart, that they might come to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.